Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother, Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book. We got another day of NBA action. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every night a watch party only on FanDuel. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Committed is a production of iHeartRadio. This bear had intentions to, to eat us and was stalking us. Pat was just a couple of feet ahead of me at the time, and and I can't remember exactly what I said. You know, bear, Pat. It knew full well what we were, and it was looking for an opportunity. Yeah, we threw our poles at it. We yelled at it. I mean, we were very angry at it. It became this real fight-or-flight scenario, and we fighting was really our only option. Few things bring a couple closer than fighting off a starving grizzly bear. But by the time the bear came along, Pat and Caroline were used to confronting danger and discomfort together. Their love for the outdoors and for adventure has shaped their entire relationship. It's defined them. They've trekked thousands of miles over the most rugged terrain on Earth, testing their bodies, their minds, and each other. I'm Joe Piazza. This is Committed. We'll get back to that bear in a little bit, I promise. was Caroline's sister's roommate before he was ever her boyfriend. That means Caroline had heard tales of this magical man who moved from New York to Alaska alone when he was just 19 to build a cabin with his bare hands. Needless to say, she was intrigued. He showed up in Alaska with like borrowed tools and his uncle's gun and another uncle's chainsaw maybe and uh, a friend's husky. 
and showed up in Fairbanks and said, you know, I'm here to build a cabin. Didn't have any real logistical things figured out, which is sort of one of those things that I think past approach to life is you just deal with it as it comes. They hung out a couple times as friends. Then Pat invited Caroline to come out to his rustic cabin in the middle of the Alaskan wilderness. It was kind of the beginning of, I guess, a fascination with a person who was very different from myself. And that's where it started. Caroline's fascination only grew from there. Her and Pat were total opposites in a lot of ways. Even though Caroline had grown up in Alaska, she never would have called herself outdoorsy or adventurous before she met Pat. I was always kind of a bookworm as a kid and was drawn to adventures that didn't require I leave the couch. Meanwhile, that's all Pat ever wanted to do as a kid was to be out in the woods and building forts. Pat's very much a doer. He learns by by doing it, and I like a more traditional style. I always did well in school and kind of like that structure, and I didn't even mind taking standardized tests. And for Pat, I don't think there's anything worse in the world than putting a bubble sheet in front of him and asking him to answer all of the <laughs> questions correctly. So I think some of those differences were, were really intriguing to me and perhaps also to, to Pat. They dated long distance for a little while, which involved a lot of phone calls with Caroline talking and Pat listening. He's not much of a talker, which you'll notice during our interview. But it was Pat who came up with the idea that would become the formative experience of their entire relationship. He wanted the two of them to take an exhaustive journey into the Northwestern wilderness together. Which was to hike into the wilderness of the northern Yukon and build a bark canoe and then float north up to the Arctic. Some people propose a nice, relaxing jaunt to the beach for their first vacation. Pat wanted them to build their own canoe using a method that hasn't been popular since the 19th century. Then he wanted them to float across the Arctic Circle in said handmade canoe on the Wind River, a spot usually only accessed by float plane. The hike in alone would be 80 miles, the canoeing portion 300. I just felt like I met the woman and I had this idea and we had to go. And Caroline said yes. But it didn't go exactly as they had expected. The 80-mile hike-in became 240 miles because they had to backtrack in order to carry all of their gear. The permafrost was melting, turning the trail into a muddy swamp. And the hike was often a wade. We had the plan to build a, a birch bark canoe, and I had looked at vegetation maps of the area to confirm that there would be birch trees and didn't take into account the fact that those things are often not sort of validated on the ground. As we were getting in, we're realizing that there are no birch trees anywhere, and so we needed to come up with a different plan. And we were hiking and, and stumbled onto this rotten horse carcass that had been left from a previous year's pack animal that obviously didn't survive swimming the river or some other trial. And I wanted nothing to do with that horse because it was disgusting and we were in bear country and I felt like I just wanted to be away from it. Meanwhile, I see Pat looking really intently at this this carcass and kind of wondering, you know, what is going through this guy's mind? I would later learn that that was his very thoughtful expression when he was coming up with some kind of idea that I maybe wanted a part of, but most likely didn't. And he just said, why not a skin boat? We had this book that we had been carrying with us that described how to build a canoe out of moose hide or some other large animal hide. 
we ended up not building a, a horse hide canoe, thankfully to me, but it kind of gave me some insight onto the depths of Pat's ability to think outside the box. We couldn't find the birch bark that we were initially planning to use. And as we were building the canoe, there was a moment where you basically you create the form of the canoe with the bark and then use these wooden ribs to, to fill it out. And as we were doing that, the bark essentially split and created this huge hole in the canoe that we had worked so desperately hard to build. I mean, ironically, was it put the trip really where we had kind of envisioned in a way and that we were just trying to make it work by any means. And we weren't, we weren't by any kind of road or with any people or had access to anything. And so we had this broken canoe and we went to bed and it was the Arctic night was blazing. It was two in the morning or something. And then we came up with a solution in the morning. And a couple of days later, we, we fixed it and we're using sap to seal holes and things like that. And then we put the canoe in the water and it was pretty magical when we took off and we floated the river across the Arctic Circle and we're catching fish. And anyways, it, it ended up turning up, but it was felt like the skin of our teeth a bit. As Pat mentioned, there were some very near disasters, including not having enough food. Well, it turns out that 2,000 calories per person per day uh, is not nearly enough to sustain a person in the wilderness, particularly with pretty you know, intense physical activity. So we were kind of slowly starving. There was no communication with our families and no way really to reach out to anybody to let them know if we were okay or we weren't okay and if we needed anything. But they hunkered down and solved the problem together. All the problems. They rationed their food and started catching fish on the river. They even met a local who offered them food stored in his cabin further upriver, as long as they could make it there. The kind of elation of doing what seemed like the impossible and managing to boat down this river uh, felt so exhilarating, kind of on top of the world. Despite the split canoe and the starvation, the trip was a success. They made it out alive, but also in love. When we first came back, it seemed like we were going to be together forever. That was my initial impression, and I couldn't really imagine being with somebody else. But then the reality is that building a canoe in the wilderness is a far cry from kind of daily life and all the challenges that come with the things that we negotiate you know, in a city. So I think it wasn't too long before that elation of the, the trip began to be replaced by this sense of, what did we just do? We did this kind of silly trip as a couple of kids in the wilderness, and what does this really mean for our lives in a long-term way? So it wasn't all straightforward kind of roses and love. We certainly were challenged to figure out what exactly our relationship was going to look like moving forward. I guess to add to that, Pat had made the decision to go back to college in Bellingham, which we expected, and he thought that he would live in a wall tent in the city during that time. So visiting him became a bit challenging, too, and kind of brought into question a bit what that was going to look like if I was to go and stay in Bellingham for a period of time in a wall tent in somebody's backyard. I came back with the same sense of we felt really top of the world and we had dreams of going even bigger and just more of that raw wilderness experience where we were really joined in one clear goal. I remember she dropped me off. I was hitchhiking back down from Alaska and she drove me out of town, you know, four hours and we were a little like, okay, what's next? And then she dropped me off the side of the road. 
We kind of assumed things would work out, but I remember things were a little rocky there, just not knowing how we would um, make it work, you know. Caroline finally decided to move down to Bellingham where Pat was in school. That way they could figure out what it was like to actually live in the same town instead of on the side of an Arctic river. She rented her own apartment, which made sense because Pat's wall tent in someone's backyard only had room for one. And then I started a a graduate program in writing at the same university, and so that at least tied me to the place. Then we started to come up with other dreams, and I think that's really what joined us. We ended up buying a, a little sailboat that we lived on and then sailed up and did some climbing expeditions from the sailboat and other adventures, and that's where we started to kind of figure out how we would continue to work together as a team. It was sort of step-by-step Probably more the traditional relationship building progression where the canoe trip was this sort of wild thrust into survival of sorts. But it seemed to go and then we just kind of started seeing every sort of step in life together and planning it out. Their life together continued with a series of small adventures interspersed with domesticity. They built a cabin together in southeast Alaska, a project that took them multiple summers. One night after the cabin was finished, they were up there just sitting on the beach. Watching the moon and the ocean and, yeah, I think, what were your exact words? I think they were, Peanut, will you marry me? Yeah. So I said yes. Yeah, that was that, I guess. Surprised me a bit that, you know, we had certainly been talking about it, but that Pat was, yeah, did a more traditional proposal, although there's definitely no ring involved or any of that kind of stuff, but I wouldn't have wanted it anyway, so... So my family's from the East Coast, and uh, a lot of them came up and other friends from Alaska. They all came out to the cabin, which involved getting there by boat. Getting there is a bit of a logistical challenge. It's a small community in Southeast Alaska, so it involves, if you're coming from the East Coast, multiple plane flights to get to the capital city in Alaska, which is Juneau, and it's still quite a small city, and then taking a ferry to Haines, even smaller community, and then getting on a boat that could then transport people from Haines to our property, which is remote and boat access and totally off the grid. We basically had a camp out and everyone slept in this in the forest where there's all these huge trees and a carpet of moss. Mom made pancakes. My little sister played the violin. And so, yeah, we had a, a small ceremony down by the beach. That wedding was in 2008. Ever since their first bark canoe adventure, Caroline and Pat were itching to do another adventure on a bigger scale. But life took over for a while. School, jobs, Caroline's PhD research. Adventure may have taken a backseat to their real life, but it was constantly on their minds. It just seemed like if we were going to do it, we needed to do it soon or it wasn't going to happen. After a while, they both became disillusioned with the drudgeries of adulthood. It really felt like it was now or never. Now, it's time for a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty-turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. 
It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother, Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book. Caroline was burnt out on her PhD research. Pat was itching for a new adventure. A number of realities of adulthood were starting to find them. A big one for me was that my dad had recently been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. It just made me realize that time is fleeting and <laughs> we only get these opportunities, you know, maybe once or twice in our lives if we're lucky. My sister had also uh, recently become pregnant with our first child and we were considering having a family and I was already, you know, my 30s and felt like if I was going to do it, I didn't necessarily have forever. The plan was to spend six months trekking 4,000 miles from the rainforests of the Pacific Northwest up the Arctic coast and across some of the most rugged terrain on Earth. They'd go on foot, homemade rowboats, and on skis. Pat and Caroline's relationship had been formed by adventure, but they had no idea what they were in for when they set off into the wilderness this time. As most of these trips start out, it's a little hard to get your rhythm. And then with rowing, we were new to that. So that was tough. And we had a lot of storms along the way in March on the Inside Passage, which was pretty maddening. It was a little discouraging getting started. But as we found our rhythm, the paddling was gorgeous. It was quite a spark there looking at those mountains and thinking, okay, this is the year. We're just going to climb over them. There's this iconic pass there that we boated across and then skied over and then just headed north all the way up to the Arctic coast. If you've never been to Alaska in the summer, then you've never really encountered a swarm of mosquitoes. Caroline and Pat should have known what they were in for when they dropped their pack rafts in the Mackenzie River. But even they weren't prepared for the tiny beasts. We quickly came to realize that neither of us had ever really seen mosquitoes before. We had visited the Mackenzie Delta. They were so intense that it changed everything about our days. So we stopped cooking meals. At this point, we were primarily using fire to cook with um, rather than a, a cook stove for a variety of different reasons. And it just wasn't worth being outside any longer than we had to. So we would escape to our tent and the buzzing kind of Uh, vibration of the whole tent, you know, all night long was pretty intense in its own right, but it was such a relief to kind of be inside away from these insane hordes of mosquitoes. Nobody in their right mind who lives in that area would ever be caught dead boating in a pack raft to the Arctic Ocean, and we soon discovered why. The next part of the journey involved scaling the Brooks Range, the craggy and desolate mountains with peaks over 8,000 feet. We got turned around by a snowstorm in the brooks and the Aragetch Peaks, and we ended up taking a different route. And so we were splitting our dinners and our food at that point. And so when we finally hit the Brooks Range, we had several cold nights, and we were pretty weathered. We had been 
starting to move really quickly and efficiently and were probably as strong as we'd ever been in our lives. And we were facing some different challenges, including a predatory bear. I did promise you we'd get back to that bear. We were coming out of this pass, and finally, after something like three weeks, the sun was starting to shine a little bit. And we were coming out of this really thick brush, and I don't know, I was feeling a lot more hopeful. Then I heard this rustling in the bushes behind me. And at first I thought it was a bird. Kind of excited to see something because it had been pretty quiet recently. I turned around and instead of a bird, there was a kind of a cinnamon-colored bear just staring down at me only a few feet away. Almost immediately, I knew that this bear was up to something very different than any other bear I'd ever met. We always hear about these predatory bears, but I had never actually met one in person. And it was really shocking to me how obvious it was immediately that this bear had intentions to to eat us and was stalking us. So Pat was just a couple of feet ahead of me at the time, and, and I can't remember exactly what I said. You know, bear, Pat... It became clear that we had to deter the bear. Uh, they use different tactics for dealing with bears in different situations. But uh, a bear like this, you basically have to make it not want to eat you. <laughs> Which is harder than it sounds. <laughs> yeah. This bear, it knew full well what we were, and it was looking for an opportunity. We threw our poles at it. We yelled at it. And we were very angry at it. It became this real fight-or-flight scenario. Fighting was really our only option. It would come and then it'd wander around and we'd keep an eye on it. We'd sort of prepare for another encounter and then it'd circle back. And eventually it backed off enough that we were able to walk down to the river, sort of one of us keeping an eye backwards and the other trying to find the best way uh, through the brush. And then we did get in our boats and uh, were clear of the bear. But it really left us just shaken. It left us questioning our risk and afraid of the wilderness a bit. Just that sense of being hunted and being stalked wasn't something that I had ever experienced before, and it was absolutely terrifying. There's nothing that I have felt more acutely afraid of than I did you know, during those moments. We're going to take a quick break here before we finish Pat and Caroline's journey. We'll be right back. Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. 
So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book. There was an early season snow that year in the Brooks Range, which meant Pat and Caroline had to find a new route. And once again, they were starting to run out of food. The one air supply that we had relied on didn't come, and it didn't come, and it didn't come. It didn't come for about five days, and we were already really short on food at that point. We ended up sitting there kind of almost starving. As we waited longer and longer, the option of any way out became shut off to us. At some of the headwaters of these rivers in flood stages as it was, I mean, the thought of catching a fish was kind of ridiculous, and we would harvest some berries, but the caloric intake that we would gain would be less than the energy spent. And so anyways, we just had to wait. So it was tough. We were laying there and questioning our decisions of whether or not to keep going. It just turned into this uh, sort of maddening waiting game, and you felt yourself getting weaker and weaker and less options. It was in those moments, the ones where they were pushed to their limits, that they found the most strength in each other. We would sort of take turns booing the other person up. So, you know, when I was feeling really low, you know, Pat would try to be the optimistic voice and then vice versa. Pat is so often uh, my voice of optimism. And when I started to hear things waver in his perspective, then I got increasingly scared and worried that maybe there wasn't a way out of this one. Seemed like with the trip, we both have our strengths and weaknesses. And I think we tried to both help out the others where they were feeling tired or intimidated or overwhelmed and share that burden. Yeah, I think there's also that that general balance. So if one person was struggling, then it's kind of the other person's job to to keep you know energy and and optimism high. But then there's also the balance of of how to manage risk and how to take care of each other and take care of ourselves in situations that often didn't have a clear way forward. They finally found a way forward. The food finally came after a week of waiting. On March 17th, they finally arrived at their destination, Kotzebue, 33 miles north of the Arctic Circle. We felt like we wanted to keep going, but then we also were trying to step back and kind of revel and celebrate a bit, I guess, this this huge thing that we had taken on for so long. It just felt like... Kotzebue was such a, a distant destination that that was almost not the point. Yeah, we, we had this goal and we were working toward this goal, but it wasn't so much that we wanted to get to Kotzebue. It was that was where we had kind of planned our, our trip to reach. Finishing uh, a trip is always an interesting uh, blend of emotions, especially one this large. Most times we would see no people for weeks and weeks and weeks. And I remember we back and we were in our apartment in the city and email and so forth and then hearing birds migrating south for the winter and just like coming to tears like you just stop hearing these things and so that was one thing that yeah sort of transitioning back your whole perception of the world changes I guess for me it was it was like a sad letting go of of that knowing like hopefully we can get there again sometime 
And then one moment that was, I guess, incredibly touching, but it just encapsulated so much of my relationship with my dad and, you know, some of his struggles over the years with dealing with Parkinson's and kind of us renegotiating our relationship is that, you know, my dad was still quite fit and able to do so many things, but, you know, he was no longer kind of invincible in the way that I had thought of him before. But on the trip, he was that person again, and he was the one on the end of the satellite phone telling us that we could do it, and he was the one helping organize logistics when we had a problem with a food drop or anything else. And so it was pretty cool for me to be able to transition back into that relationship with my dad. And then I was talking to him on a phone in this bingo hall that was a community center in the last community we stopped in, in, in Noatak Village. And I called him just to check in, and he said, okay, when are you getting to Kotzebue? And he said, oh, probably in two to three days. And he said, okay, well, I'll book my ticket for two days then. And I said, are you serious? And sure enough, we get to Kotzebue, and not only was he there, he was standing in the right place um, on the bridge kind of over the river where we'd be paddling in and just waving at us, and he knew exactly where to be, and that was a pretty powerful ending, I guess, to a trip that had been about wilderness and experiencing you know, time with Pat, but also a trip that had a lot to do with family and relationships and our conception of, of what was important. that big adventure behind them, Caroline and Pat decided to start a family. Their first son, Huxley, was born in 2014. The second, Dawson, came along two years later. Now, life with kids is its own special kind of adventure. But Caroline and Pat have been really cognizant of making sure their lives, all four of them now, are inspired by real adventure. They're two boys, and... It's a different way for us to be outside and a a different way to see the world. Yeah, our little two-year-old was sitting on the stairs in our cabin, which is right on the ocean, and he says, black duck, black duck, and we, and I thought, oh, black duck, and so we look out in the ocean, there's a pod of orcas going by, these big dorsal fins, probably six feet high, cutting across the water. None of us would have seen it if the two-year-old didn't happen to look out the window at the time. So, yeah, little things like that are, are just so neat with uh, the kids. You know, maybe we're looking for the, the big views and, and they're looking at the small views. They're focused on what's right in front of their feet. And so I think in that sense, having children or parenting is, is maybe not that different from adventuring in certain regards as it's a matter of kind of shifting perspective and remembering that being present goes a long way toward learning and seeing new things and our kids have certainly shared that with us. This episode was hosted and reported by Joe Piazza with special thanks to Pat and Caroline Van Hemert. It was produced and edited by Ramsey Yunt with live sound recording by John Butsky and mixing by Tristan McNeil. The executive producers are Joe Piazza, Tyler Klang, and Julie Douglas. Theme song and music by Tristan McNeil. For comments, suggestions, or to be part of the show, give us a call at 
404-996-1173. That's 404-996-1173. Or send us an email at joe at committedpodcast.com. That's jo at committedpodcast.com. To find out more about Caroline and Pat's adventures, pick up a copy of Caroline's memoir, The Sun is a Compass, wherever books are sold. Committed is a production of iHeartRadio and produced in our studios located in Atlanta, Georgia. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother, Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter over the influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book.